This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Last week, the Portland Public School Board passed a unanimous resolution allowing for the sale of its district headquarters in North Portland to the Albina Vision Trust. The local nonprofit has been working to restore the historically black Albina neighborhood since 2017. Under the deal, the nonprofit would help the district find a new headquarters. The old site would be turned into a mixed-use area with 1,000 affordable housing units. Michelle DePass is a Portland Public School Board member who grew up in the neighborhood. Winter Johannes is the executive director of Albina Vision Trust. They both join me now. It's great to have both of you on the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. Winter first, it's been a little while since we've talked about your nonprofit. Can you remind us what the mission is of Albina Vision Trust? Sure. So Albina Vision Trust is the largest restorative redevelopment effort in the nation. We seek to rebuild the lower Albina neighborhood in a way that reroutes culture uh, and belonging in a district that was historically home to four out of five black Portlanders. Uh, We know that Albina represents the opportunity to demonstrate what it means to develop at scale without displacing or disrupting the lives of of people who already exist there. Your nonprofit has been doing this work for seven or so years now. What do you see as your biggest achievements to date? There have been many. Um, I think the most important is the belief uh, that exists now that this is possible for most Portlanders, right? When we first uh, put forward this vision, it was so big, it was so aspirational that I think there were questions. And in the last few years, uh, we've built uh, we've built momentum through breaking ground on our first affordable housing project. We've uh, spurred imagination around what can happen in Portland. And I just, I think in general, uh, Portlanders believe that we can do big things and that we can re- redevelop Albina. That's fascinating. So, I mean, it seems like in addition to some concrete things, what you're saying is that the biggest achievement is more public embrace of the vision. So you, to, to build a movement, you first start to, to get people behind you. Correct. Huh. Yeah, we know it's not hard to to build buildings or even to transact in, you know, complex real estate deals. We've done that for uh, generations in Portland. What we've never accomplished is embracing the idea that our city's growth will depend on our ability to build around the lives of those most marginalized. How does the property that we've invited both of you on today to talk about, the, the, the this current site of PPS's central office, how does that fit into your vision? It's absolutely critical. So the Portland Public Schools headquarters site is sitting on 10 city blocks, right? So it's a campus uh, that should be home to more than a thousand, more than 3,000 families. Uh, and so this is the cornerstone of the vision where we will pilot what it means to have child-centered development uh, and create the kinds of places that reflect belonging, uh, where wealth participation is shared broadly. This is the heart of the vision. Maybe my number then was incorrect at the beginning, because the number I thought we were dealing with is 100 affordable housing units. You just said 3,000 families. 3,000 families in 1,000 units of housing. Because there'll be more than one family within a unit. More than one person. Okay. Yeah. Um, Michelle DePass, can you describe the the current state 
of the central office of the PPS headquarters? Uh, sure. I mean, are you talking about from a physical facility standpoint? F- f- um, or I can just describe it. Physical, so. I mean, b- both what it's like and what the problems um, with it. Sure. So I'm not sure when the building was constructed, but it's a very uh, brutalistic type uh, concrete building um, with two basements in it, parking, warehouse facilities, public service areas, public meeting places, and is outdated and um, doesn't have a lot of natural light in it, etc. The facility feels outdated. Is it possible to just have the district fix it up? To do so, and we looked at preliminary figures, would cost taxpayers quite a bit of money, uh, upwards of $200 million to fix it up. Um, and as a lover of you know, adaptive reuse, there's just, I don't architecturally and functionally, not a lot there. Winta, the, the way your organization, your nonprofit, has described this is it would be a cost-neutral transfer of the headquarters property for the district. What does that mean? What does cost-neutral mean specifically? Correct. So as Michelle alluded to, the district looked at a few different options for addressing the unfunded liability inherent in their building, right? So, Dave, the district will either have to do something to fix the building, or it will have to bond for uh, a failing building in the future. So across the scenarios, uh, the only option where the district is not pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into the building is for them to relocate into an existing building. Uh, AVT, Albina Vision Trust, uh, is proposing that this is the time to do it when market real estate market conditions uh, most are most favorable for that kind of transaction. So Maybe because because there's a lot of unused office space right now because of the pandemic and work from home and general Portland malaise. Correct. I said it, you didn't. So um, meaning is is your offer that um, that you'll you'll take over their old building and then you will give the district at no cost to them a, a fully ready to move in headquarters somewhere uh, on the west side of the river? Close. So we are uh, proposing that we will work with the district to source a competitive deal for an alternate site. The district will use the revenue from the sale of their current building to then acquire that the new space and move into it, and that all of this will be on a cost-neutral basis to the district. So, meaning you'll you'll make sure that you give them enough money um, for the the old headquarters that that they can use that money um, to, to fully pay for uh, a new to them headquarters that that is seismically okay and that will fit for their needs. Correct, uh, and Michelle. It's even if there weren't a question of redressing historical wrongs, uh, and that's a big even if. And we're we're gonna I want to talk more about what Albina means to you, what this project means to you, not just as a school board member, but even if that weren't the case, this seems like a no brainer for the district. Instead of having to pay upwards of two hundred million dollars for a renovated central office building, you'll get one that is in better shape. Um, F- f- at no cost. A- am I am I missing something from the district's perspective? I don't think you are. I think that's true. The potential, uh, what we can do with the sale of the building and what we can get 
on the market currently, and we don't have a location, by the way. I want to make sure that we don't have locations picked out. We are in the midst of developing a list of criteria, so we'll look for a space that has you know, enough parking for a number of employees, enough spaces for a number of employees, uh, public meeting space that the tenant improvements can pencil out. Um, we want to make sure that all of our stakeholders are able to be served. Um, but yeah, that's that's true. And also with this transaction, and the resolution was just to go in to transact with Albina Vision Trust, not to buy anything in particular in a particular location. It was to, to go forward, to, to say to we move can, forward we, you can go forward district. With a, with a timeline and a process. So the potential, we have the potential to do right and do good at the same time. So we have the potential to locate um, staff and employees um, in a in a cost neutral way, that in a building that has better benefits than the current building. So th- th- those are um, reasons why it made sense unanimously for the board to go forward. But there's also, the, to me, the question of timing. I mean, folks who are paying attention to PPS issues. Uh, will hopefully know that there are really serious budget issues right now. That teacher positions, for example, are, are going to be cut. And there's a there, even if Albina Vision Trust is going to be helping out with some of the due diligence here and some of the real estate work, this is still going to take some district resources at a time when you have a lot going on. Where does this fit in terms of the district's priorities at, at a challenging time? Yeah, and I want to acknowledge it absolutely is a challenging time budget-wise. And the cost neutrality piece is important to um, articulate because the the plan is for the not to have the district pay anything. The plan is for the transaction to pay for itself. In other words, the sale of the building will go towards the purchase of another building. Anybody that was to read the Daily Journal, Journal of Commerce um, would be able to look at real estate in the Pearl, for instance, and see that um, our dollar our dollar would go a long ways uh, in Portland real estate, and in particular in downtown. Hmm. Um. Let's, so let's turn, uh, first of all, I'm going to just remind folks, if, if you're just tuning in, we're talking right now about the plan that's in the works to transfer Portland Public Schools' central office, the district headquarters, that's currently in uh, the old Albina neighborhood, to the Albina Vision Trust. Winter Johannes is the executive director of the trust. Michelle DePass is a member of the Portland Public Schools Board. Michelle, let's go back a little bit. What was the neighborhood like when you were growing up? Sure. So um, my grandparents moved into the Albina neighborhood in 1940 and were able to pay off their house within three years. And they did that because they had a vision for my mother and her siblings to be able to go to the Catholic school um, across Broadway. And so um, when I was born, the freeway was already in, the Memorial Coliseum was underway. And my grandfather, um, who didn't have a car, walked past the PEC every day on his way to work at the train station. Um, What's the PEC? uh, That's the Profit Education Center. It was just renamed um, last year from the uh, Blanchard Education Center. So it's the big pink building on the east side of uh, the Broadway Bridge. Hmm. He would would walk across it. He would walk walk across the Broadway Bridge uh, to work um, at at his job, leaving um, basically a waiter on the train, leaving from Portland. What does it mean to you to be on this school board now and to be in a position of power to be a part of the, the, the transformation of this area? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I've been involved with the transformation, not as a decision maker, you know, for the last um, many decades. I don't want to say as, how as many. As a, the sort of, as a, as a, as a other end of it. Sure. And so when I was growing up, again, nobody had a car. We, um, everything that we did for our family from buying car insurance to going to the dentist to uh, grocery shopping was done on Williams Avenue. Everything, uh, essential service would services were there. There were Black-owned businesses, um, cultural institutions. And I remember walking those streets as a child, and I also remember walking those streets as a teenager and watching, hearing the, seeing fires, people's houses burning down, um, seeing the loss of the population in the neighborhood, seeing the businesses shuttered. Um, I've, I've seen it. I actually worked, my first job was on Williams Avenue in 1973. I was not old enough to work then. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I've seen the storefronts closing, the neighborhood store closing, the population leaving. Um, and, and actually, we, we had a family home there until just recently. Hmm. Winter, can you describe the, the broader plan you have um, and the role that this property is going to play in it? Yeah. So, you know, the the type of neighborhood that Michelle was describing uh, can't be re recreated, but you know this offers us the opportunity to think about what it means to build those kinds of neighborhoods for the future. And so on the current Portland Public School site, we envision building the kind of community where there are renters and homeowners, uh, where there are spaces where everyone can keep eyes on the children, where those living in affordable housing will still have million-dollar views of the city, access to the regional waterfront park that is in development by Albina Vision Trust, uh, that we can create a world-class neighborhood where being born in that district is a is a, a will prescribe success for the children that are born and raised in that district as opposed to the opposite, particularly for black and brown children. Where's the money for all this coming from? So uh, it's coming from public and private sources. We've become experts at fundraising and mobilizing the kind of capital that is necessary to execute. Um, you know, as I said earlier, the first step is really getting people to dream big and to uh, be able to imagine, again, the kind of future where everyone is safe and prosperous. Once we believe, then we uh, have found that mm -hmm. the next steps are, are easier. Uh, we've already brought, you know, $70 million of new investments to the district just in the last four years. Um, and so this resolution by the school board is a really important indicator that they are serious about relocating. And so this will enable us to continue to fundraise to bring the sources necessary. As our listeners may remember, the district still has some undefined plans to move the Harriet Tubman Middle School, um, which is overlooking I-5. Just a tiny bit north and east of, of the site you're talking about. That potential move, uh, or, or planned but, uh, but still without definite plans where, that move is because of proximity to I-5 and concerns about air pollution. The site you're talking about is not that much further away. And, and so I imagine some of the same, even if we're not talking only about you know, middle schoolers' lungs, are still human lungs. How much do you worry about that when you're 
planning for a major new residential neighborhood? It's absolutely critical. It's critical. Uh, so we know that Albina currently uh, not only suffers from I-5, uh, the traffic from the freeway, uh, but also it's it's actually it's an urban heat island because of all the parking lots that have replaced homes, businesses, uh, and cultural centers. So as we think about albina of the future, we see this as the opportunity to build a, a district that is uh, climate uh, friendly. Um, and and so that has to be a key part of how we plan for the district. Um, we know from Albina 1, which is just east of the Portland Public School site, that the air quality is safe for families living there. So we feel comfortable and confident about the residential redevelopment envisioned at the PPS site. But climate justice has to be at the center of how we move forward. You said at the very beginning that Albina Vision Trust is the largest effort in the country of its kind, I mean, the, the kind of urban, quote unquote, urban renewal projects that, that tore up, especially black or, or people of color neighborhoods all over the country that, that put freeways where people lived. Those happened all over the place. Um, but, but what you said is your effort is the largest in the country to reverse that, to address that. Does that mean you don't have models you can look to, to that, that have already sort of I don't know, I was going to say paved the way, but that seems like unpaved the way. No, so it's it's in Portland and in Albina that we are creating the model. So in Lower Albina, we're looking at 94 acres right on the central city adjacent to the river with only a dozen or so property owners, most of whom are public entities. Those conditions don't exist anywhere else. So models we look at in other cities might include uh, components around uh, a freeway cover or river restoration. Those happen. Big digs in various places Correct. have happened. Yeah. And so, but there's nowhere else that all of these elements exist together. Uh, and nowhere else is a redevelopment vision of this scale so feasible. Finally, Michelle DePass, what do you see as the potential impediments to making this work? I mean, th this does in the end have to pencil out in some way and, and either be cost neutral or cost very little for, for the district. What might get in the way of that? There, there's always a process piece in which, uh, you know, you're working with seven board members and, and, uh, and many other stakeholders, by the way, that need to agree to move forward on a timeline and a budget, which would be ideally and absolutely needs to be cost neutral. Um, that can take time to uh, build coalition, to build understanding. Um, so timeline, we could be, we're in a very special kind of a market space right now. Uh, where we have an opportunity to move at a pace that is uh, allows us to take advantage of the market. So I see that that being an impediment. Um, we also need to assure all of the stakeholders that we're doing, um, taking employees and families and students into consideration uh, at every step of the way. Ideally, what we end up with in terms of a building for the district is better than what we have now is easy to get to, is transit friendly, um, has parking places for people that drive, is um, easily accessible to the public, et cetera. The vision is that we're going from something that's not great to something that's great, and at the same time doing something very positive for the community. Michelle DePass and Winter Johannes, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. 
Michelle DePass is a member of the Portland Public School Board. Winter Johannes is the executive director of the Albina Vision Trust. Tomorrow on the show, Oregon lawmakers are considering a bipartisan bill that would create some of the strictest limits in the nation on corporate ownership of primary care and specialty medical clinics. The bill has already passed the House. We're going to hear why proponents are pushing for it and what opponents say. If you don't want to miss any of our shows, you can listen on the NPR app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Our nightly rebroadcast is at 8 p.m. Thanks very much for tuning in to Think Out Loud on OPB and KLCC. I'm Dave Miller. We'll be back tomorrow. Think Out Loud is supported by Steve and Jan Oliva, the Rose E. Tucker Charitable Trust, and Michael, Kristen, Andrew, and Anna Kern.